Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Billboard Chart Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. This is where we discuss why what's on the charts is on the charts. And uh, as promised last week, this is our first episode live well, on tape from our new Times Square offices in our new, as promised, soundproof studio. We're in a soundproof studio. Well, not entirely soundproof because if it were, you couldn't hear us. But you know what I mean. I'm pretty sure, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they, they got the hang of it. Yeah. So we moved a few blocks west in New York. We're uh, basically right in Times Square. Uh, do we get to be in Times Square or do we have to be in Times Square? Uh, that's a big question. You know, it's it's the, uh, I don't know, most uh, celebrated and hated part of New York, depending, uh, I guess, on how long you you spend around these parts. I mean, obviously, it's very exciting. You know, there's certain times where you look back and you're like, wow, like, there's just so much happening here. And obviously, it's an iconic place. And there's been, you know, legendary pictures and Broadway theaters right there and famous restaurants and 42nd Street and, you know, Hamilton's playing right there. But, yeah, I mean, of course, like like any, you know, great, um, great creation, it, it can be a very overwhelming, especially in the summertime when there's so much foot traffic that, you know, it's... Again, the longer you stay here, it's probably, probably, I would say, like the least desirable place to go. I bet if you did a survey of New Yorkers of the attraction they most try to avoid and the subway stop they most try to avoid, yeah. Times Square probably comes out on top yeah. clean. So I'll focus on the good things. Our new studio is great. We have a new performance space here in our new office. So when acts come in and perform on Facebook Live, it's going to be bigger and better than ever. Uh, highlight, if you notice this, Trevor, in the men's room. We now have an automated paper towel dispenser. No work involved. You don't have to go through all that work of manually uh, pulling it from the dispenser anymore. You just wave your hand over it. Magic. just comes right out. Sure. Uh, the downside, of course, there's always a trade-off in life, right? When something goes wrong is that we lose two stalls. So uh, we lost two stalls. So um, that makes the line that much longer. But, of course, now Gary can wave his hand and not touch the dispenser. Worth the trade? Mm. I don't know. Sound off in the comments. Got to look on the bright side. Oh, easily pleased. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh, so uh, from that uh, lighthearted discussion, this episode is going to be a little bit different. So uh, we were originally planning to do our typical uh, deep chart rundown. There is a new number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 this week by Post Malone and Sway Lee, Sunflower, uh, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, we wound up... Uh, for the rest of the episode, we were going to talk about this documentary, uh, Surviving R. Kelly, that premiered January 2nd on Lifetime. And uh, we've been writing some stories about how after that came out and all the, the very serious allegations about R. Kelly against underage girls, uh, he's uh, back on the social 50 this week. His metrics socially are way up. People are uh, searching him on Wikipedia. His streams are way up. We've written about that. Sales are up. Radio uh, airplay is down, conversely. Uh, so uh, just it's... It's a very compelling case of uh, if you've watched that documentary, there's no way you can watch it and not uh, come away just being uh, totally uh, thinking of the bravery of the women who they speak to. And, and uh, from a music standpoint, uh, 
Netflix. We're, we're Billboard. We're, we're wondering where, where does that leave R. Kelly's music catalog is, is one of the questions. So uh, we booked a couple of guests and uh, we got into some uh, couple deep discussions that we think, you know, that's, that's what we need to talk about this week. So that is, that's going to be uh, the focus of the podcast this week. If you want to, uh, as always, uh, find out more about uh, chart details, go to billboard.com, the Chartbeat tab. Uh, we've got uh, stories again on uh, Sunflower going to number one and a lot more. But this whole podcast, it's going to be uh, all uh, reactions to R. Kelly and where his music stands now. And and uh, really, it's going to go a lot deeper than that as well. So we're going to have a couple guests coming up. Uh, we're going to start with station in Dallas, KRNB. It's an adult R&B station. Music director Keith Solis, they uh, made an announcement last week that they're taking R. Kelly's music off the station as well as a co-owned station, uh, KKDA in Dallas as well, the mainstream R&B hip-hop station. So they're pretty clear about uh, where they stand on uh, R. Kelly's music. We're also going to talk to a couple uh, guests uh, here internally in uh, the Billboard uh, Vibe offices as well, Vibe or Sister Site, uh, after Keith. We're going to talk to our own Gail Mitchell, Billboard R&B senior correspondent, and from Vibe, uh, writer-editor Shaniqua Golding, uh, with more perspective as well. So that's this week's Sharpie podcast. Let's start with Keith Solis, again, from KRNB Radio in Dallas. Keith Solis, thank you so much for coming on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Well, thanks for having me. The decision to remove R. Kelly's music from KRNB. Uh, let's just start at the top. Take us through how that decision came about. Well, you know, we've known about the documentary, and, and yeah, we've heard the stories for years and years and years. Uh, but really what led to the, the decision, uh, for me, I was in church on Sunday and uh, checking my work email, which, of course, is what you should do in church. <laughs> and so I, I noticed a lot of emails from, from listeners uh, wanting to know if we were going to pull R. Kelly's music. What were we going to do about this situation uh, you know, the, the, the girls are, are, you know, we are, it's our first priority, the community and just all of this. And so after I got home, uh, I was about to call George, uh, George Cook, my operations manager, but then he called me first and pretty much said the same thing. And so we both decided, you know what, we've got to take a stand. We've got to do something. And so we got on the phone with Claudia Jordan, who's a uh, part of the morning show, the morning rush with Claudia and Rudy. And, you know, we just all pretty much said the same thing. And it was in that moment that we knew, okay, we're all on the same page. This is what we have to do. And so decided to make the announcement the uh, following day, following morning, which is Monday. And that's how it started. And it was just no question that this was the right thing to do. And this wasn't just that you wanted to take the music off and sort of quietly, you know, we won't play them, let it be that. You actually came out and made a statement, a service broadcasting, and, and really made it very clear how you guys felt. Was that part of it, too, that you really wanted uh, no ambiguity uh, where you guys stood on this? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's not like we were playing, you know, 500 titles for Mark Kelly. I mean, he's not really one of our marquee artists anymore. And we could have just taken the songs off and gone on about our business. But, yeah, we absolutely wanted to uh, take a stand. The name of our parent company is Service Broadcasting, and that is what we do. I mean, it's part of what we do. We serve, and not only by what we do in the community, but what comes, bet uh, comes between the speakers. And so we just felt that it was the right thing to do for our audience. Did you watch uh, most of, any of, how much of Surviving R. Kelly? Well, the, the week that it aired, I watched part of the first episode. But it was just, you know, I'm really busy during the week, so I really, you know, don't really have a lot of time to watch television. Uh, but this past Friday night, I ended up watching all six hours. And uh, it was probably the most disturbing thing that I've ever seen on television. And I think the difference is, you know, yeah, you've heard the stories, you know, down through the years. But when there is a face to go along with the story, I think that makes a tremendous difference. And that makes it real. Uh, and this was not just some Lifetime movie where, you know, like the Whitney movie or some of the other movies that we've seen where there are actors and this could be true or maybe it's not. But, I mean, to hear the voices, to hear the stories, and it's not just a situation where there's one young lady against him and it could be true. No, these, it's a whole bunch of people. And I just can't imagine that a whole bunch of people would just decide, you know what, let's just do this against this guy. I just, you know, can't believe it. I had to I had to just go with what my gut was telling me. And as a father of, you know, a daughter who is the same age as some of those girls who were on that, that program, it, it was just, it was tough to watch. Uh, you mentioned, you know, something that I think a lot of people are trying to grapple with in terms of, we've heard these stories for years, you know, way back 
from when he and Aaliyah were allegedly married. Was there ever any talk beforehand about R. Kelly, what you should do, or any other artists? Or is this something that was just sort of so watershed that it was the first time it led to a discussion like this inside those walls? You know, I'm ashamed to say that there wasn't. Uh, I've been doing this, uh, I think this is my 34th or 35th year um, in radio. I remember when R. Kelly was a new artist. I mean, I actually interviewed him when his first single came out. He was in the studio. We'd never heard of him and met him several times throughout the years, even, you know, with the stories and allegations uh, and even with other artists who, you know, had similar uh, allegations. And there was never a, you know, should we drop the music? And that's just kind of sad, I think. What uh, R. Kelly songs were you playing? And you said you weren't playing them that much on uh, KRNB. We, what songs I think, were had probably in our entire library at this point, maybe five or six that he actually sang. And in fact, one of the songs that we did pull that he's on is, is a gospel song from Marvin Sapp. It's called Listen, that mm-hmm. R. Kelly actually wrote and produced. And he's on the song. So unfortunately, you know, that was one of the ones that had to go. Uh, we did get some people wanting to know if we were going to pull, you know, everything that he's produced. So, you know, do do we pull the Janet Jackson remix of any time, any place, uh, or any of the Aaliyah songs that R. Kelly wrote and produced? Well, we didn't go that far, but we did take off uh, the songs that he sang on, that, that, that were actually his songs or songs that he, you know, had a guest appearance on. So, like, the R. Kelly vocals basically are, are yes. banned from the station. Yes. You said that it was interesting, Keith. You said the word unfortunately, and uh, that was one of the songs that had to go. So uh, is that sort of just the pure music fan in you uh, acknowledging that, uh, and this brings up the whole issue of art versus artist. The unfortunate part as it related to the Marvin Sapp song is because I'm a, I'm a Marvin Sapp fan and I'm a friend of Marvin Sapp. But yeah. that's the unfortunate part is that, you know, he kind of has to suffer along with that unless they release a version that does not have R. Kelly on it, you know, we've got to stand by, you know, what we said, whether it's a gospel song or an R&B song. We've seen this, I feel like, more uh, in pop culture at large over the last uh, last year or two with uh, The Cosby Show and Roseanne being pulled from syndication, uh, Louis C.K.'s uh, productions uh, being removed from, from uh, various platforms online, now uh, Lady Gaga uh, taking steps to remove Do What You Want with R. Kelly. It seems that when... Uh, even uh, Baby It's Cold Outside over the holidays. There were stations that banned that because the lyrics uh, could be interpreted uh, a little misogynistic, now, even though it was written uh, seven years ago. You know, Baby It's Cold Outside, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of discreet with that. I mean, that's kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I just think that was a little bit of a stretch, but, you know, we didn't play that song, so it didn't really matter to me uh, from a professional standpoint. Just from a personal standpoint, I'm just like, really? <laughs> and I actually pulled up the lyrics. Now, if you, and I did pull up the lyrics to the entire song. And I guess some of the lines, you know, could be blurred on that. But, you know, I just thought that in that particular instance, you know, perhaps went a little too far. I'm, you know, it's just me. Well, what's your take on when something like this is suddenly attached to an artist where their whole catalog is suddenly under question and in some ways is is uh, is removed from various platforms? Is Is that too close to censorship in your take or it's probably different for what the platform is radio you're looking for the widest possible audience you don't want to be offensive whereas say youtube is more on demand so it's probably a little different when you're in radio you're probably going to lean a little bit more conservative well yeah i mean it's just weird it's different uh i think we live in a different age uh you know certainly with the whole bill cosby thing and, and 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 the station's pulling you know, all the repeats of the Cosby show. And then I remember, you know, just a few years ago when the whole Confederate flag thing was going out and then, you you know, you couldn't watch Dukes of Hazard, which was one of my favorite shows growing up. And never did I think that there was anything racist about that. I just loved the show uh, because there was a Confederate flag on top of the car. Now we can't watch it anymore. Um, it's just, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's just a weird time that we're in. And one thing in particular, you know, that you said that drove the decision obviously was a big chorus of listeners writing in about this. Since this uh, decision's been made, have have you heard from listeners? What Are, are, are they reaching out, and, and are they supporting? Are they condemning, or what's the reaction been like? Well, the support has been more positive. Uh, we've gotten, you know, quite a few, you know, negatives on our social media, and, and that, you know, is another question that came up. Well, do we delete the negative responses? And we decided this is, a conversation and in a conversation you know you're not going to always agree so we decided to leave the negatives up 
um, so yeah, we've gotten some negatives from people saying, well, you know, from you have no proof that he actually did it to you're trying to bring another black man down, uh, you know, what if they're lying and, you know, just all of those stories. And, and so you just kind of have to take that, but we have gotten so many positives, uh, saying thank you. And it's interesting. I was leaving, uh, work last Thursday and, you know, we're in a high rise building, came downstairs and walking across the parking lot and ran into the chief of police of Arlington, which is the city that our station is in. And I kind of know him from, you know, doing different events. And he told me that he saw the story. It ran the night before on, on one of the local news stations and was just telling me, you know, what a great move it is, not only for the city, but it, it's just impactful, you know, to the world to let people know that when you do these types of crimes that, you know, there's got to be some kind of consequence, whether it's a legal situation or just, you know, losing, you know, your spot on a radio station's playlist. And one thing I'm curious about, too, you know, you kind of alluded to some other artists earlier who faced backlash. And I think, you know, a lot of us remember the Dixie Chicks on country radio and a lot of up and downs. But it's it's funny to me that, um, you know, R. Kelly, it feels like it feels like every couple of years we have this this conversation again. And for the longest time, it really didn't seem to amount to anything tangible in terms of consequences for him. Is is R. Kelly, like, you've been in the business a long time, so I, I want your perspective in terms of the longevity. Is R. Kelly that artist who, you know, it's almost kind of, I don't know, crazy how how consistent this conversation happens with, with any, is, is I guess with any other artist who it feels like this conversation in a weird way happens with every other time, but everybody seems to, you know, the pot stirs for a little bit and then it seems to settle down. It just feels like no other artist kind of is in the news in the past 15, 20 years in this same kind of way, same thing every time. Well, this has been kind of his story, uh, you know, down through the years. And I think there's something different about this time. You know, I mean, even with Bill Cosby, you know, we heard stories about Bill Cosby, you know, over the years, how he, you know, was not a faithful husband and, you know, totally different from the character that he played. But uh, you know, when everything came out this last time, it was just different. And I felt like something is going to happen uh, in this case. And I feel the same way about R. Kelly, um, you know, from, you know, just public appeal. I think that at some point um, through the legal system, um, he will be caught, he will be dealt with. But when you look at artists like Lady Gaga, who came out, Celine Dion, who, you know, came out this morning, uh, a lot of the mainstream artists, and it's not just R&B, uh, but mainstream, America is now looking at this situation. Uh, I think uh, you know, something's going to happen in this. Don't know when, but uh, I believe it will. And suppose we should also ask, um, I'm sure he's laying low from all of this, but have you heard anything from the Kelly camp or anybody affiliated with him about this decision? I personally have not, other than just what I'm reading, you know, in the press, TMZ and what have you, that, uh, in fact, I read yesterday that uh, his his record label will not uh, release any new music, even though he's still under contract. They have decided they're not going to release any music uh, from him. Um, there was a concert I think he was supposed to do over the weekend, and uh, the promoter ended up pulling out of that. Uh, so those are the types of things, but I personally have not talked to anyone um, associated with him or his record label. I know it's a heavy topic, unfortunately, which we could uh, have some little more light to discuss, but it's necessary. And, you know, it's it's a conversation, you know, as we've alluded to, that many people have been kind of trying to wrap their heads around for uh, really decades at this point. And as you mentioned, you know, this is a huge turning point. And um, obviously, you know, this was, I'm sure, not an easy decision and not a fun decision, but um, really wanted to talk to somebody who was making a, taking a stand and really... Um, you know, perhaps setting a precedent that I think a lot of people uh, have been waiting for. So, yeah, and it, it has been, you know, an interesting, uh, you know, week and in, in a couple of days. And never would I thought that, you know, we would be on the forefront of something like this. I mean, uh, you know, it is, you know, a lot of people say, well, it is censorship. I don't, you know, I don't know if I want to use that word or not, but I just think it's just uh, a necessary decision. Uh, will we do that again? I have no idea. That's, this is the first time in my career that I ever recall us pulling anybody's music off the radio. That just um, just never happened. Well, it sounds like you're following your heart, and uh, listeners, for the most part, uh, are agreeing. So uh, service broadcasting, that's uh, really what it sounds like uh, you guys are all about in, in a good way. So really appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, talk about this with us today, Keith. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you for the time and thank you for the opportunity. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, so uh, we just heard the radio perspective from Keith Solis from KRNB. Wanted to get maybe sort of more of the journalistic standpoint, but uh, just opinion uh, from, from other people who have opinions about R. Kelly and his music and how we view it now. So we've got our own uh, Shaniqua Golding, a writer and editor from Vibe, our sister site. Also on the phone from L.A., Gail Mitchell, Billboard's R&B senior correspondent. Welcome both to the podcast. Thank you. Gail, welcome. Thank you. Uh, so, Shaniqua, uh, from just talking before the podcast, you you have some pretty strong opinions about R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think my biggest opinion about after watching the Lifetime three part series Surviving R. Kelly, which was uh, directed by former uh, vibe writer Dream Hampton, she spells her name in all lowercase. Um, is that she is now being met with a whole bunch of legal woes. She has taken to social media to speak. I don't want to say in detail because, you know, she can only talk about so much, but I was actually very hurt by it because Dream Hampton was the only one that was brave enough to create this series, to showcase, to give the survivors a platform and now she is being uh, muddied for it. And um, I think uh, a friend of mine recently told me that when you uh, pray for rain, prepare for mud. And I don't know if Miss Hampton, when she was creating this series, knew how much mud she was going to have to endure. But I think it speaks to just the, the, the climate that we're in, that, you know, R. Kelly can do this for years on end, be found not guilty with a tape, be found not guilty with a tape, and then Miss Hampton, she creates a series, a gripping series with facts, and now she's dealing with legal ramifications of it. And I think that's a really sad thing, and I think that we also need to really look at that and see what it says about how this country deals with sexual assault, molestation, and kidnapping of underage black girls. What was your take on watching Surviving R. Kelly? How much of it surprised you? How much of it hadn't you heard? Or was it, I've heard a lot of this, but hearing it firsthand is is very different. What was your take on that? So I was born in 85 and now I'm 33 now, right? So I grew up with R. Kelly's music. Um, I Believe I Can Fly, Um, Bump and Grind, those were all songs that you heard often and then you began to hear the whispers about Aaliyah and then you began to hear the whispers about other underage girls and for whatever reason it wasn't taken seriously, well I take that back, it wasn't taken seriously because misogyny and uh, sexism are very alluring and they're very um, they, they are cemented in this culture so that's why I didn't take it seriously and it takes a very very thought-provoking and brave person to be able to look at a situation that's been normalized and say, no, this is not okay. So when I saw all of what was presented via Dream Hampton and Lifetime with Surviving R. Kelly, I was not shocked. It wasn't anything new. 
I think what really uh, did it for me was when I saw Andrea Kelly, uh, R. Kelly's ex-wife, talk about how his actions affected his children. It was just so much to take in. And I and there are, you know, this series was polarizing for a lot of people. It either, you either opened up your eyes to how many things were okay and you were complicit to growing up in the society, or you were just like, you know, you had your feelings and you remained ignorant. And I think the ignorance that I saw a lot on social media is what really, really bothered me. And I think the, how we're just so okay with holding women accountable for making or or making women the moral gatekeepers for for grown men's issues and that's and that's something that I saw that I didn't like and and um I chose not to engage because like you know I'll go back and forth with you and it's just not healthy for anyone involved okay well I I have a question um just to to start really I guess where anybody should start at the beginning um and you kind of uh, alluded to it a little bit, Shaniqua, but I want to ask you and I want to ask Gail, who's uh, joining us from, from L.A. on the phone. Uh, when was the first time, if you can remember, that you, that you heard anything uh, sort of negative about R. Kelly? Because as just you mentioned, and Gail, um, I don't want to let me know if this is wrong, but I know for myself, you know, growing up in a black household, he always was, you know, kind of omnipresent. There was, you know, the soundtrack. We all heard 12 play. I believe I can fly. But so we we knew the music, we sort of knew the artist before we knew anything about the man. And I feel like for most people, if it it had been reversed, if you knew all of these things, that would have colored maybe how you felt about the music or or you would have never listened to the music. It wouldn't have colored how some people feel about it, because we need to be very honest about the fact that in America, white police officers are very thirsty and lustful for shooting and killing and imprisoning black men. So because of that, oftentimes families are put in a very catch-22 position. We know what the law will do to you. We know what the media will do to you. So we're just going to put you in a back corner or we're not going to deal with you because I'd rather you stay in this household and potentially infect us with your cancer than me take you to the law and the law deal with you. And there are a lot of black families, not all, but there are a lot of black families who will risk their nieces and granddaughters and baby sisters' uh, mental and emotional and physical lives because they would rather have their pedophile cousin or brother or uncle stay in the fucking back room than bring them to the officer because they know these officers and these cops love to kill and shoot and imprison their black man. So I don't know if knowing about R. Kelly, the person, would have affected the way he is viewed in some people's eyes, because at the end of the day, protecting black men has sometimes come at the expense of nieces and granddaughters and sisters. Because the minute I grow out of my training bra, all of a sudden it's my responsibility to make sure I don't turn this grown ass motherfucking man on, as opposed to him being a grown ass motherfucking man and not touching me. So I don't know if because if we knew about R. Kelly and the allegations first, if we still wouldn't be singing, I believe I can fly. I hate to pivot from that straight to Gail, but uh, Gail, any thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. I I think my first real inkling, I mean, everybody knew about the the sexual content in his music, but for me, um, I think it all started with uh, Aaliyah when it was around that time, and and folks were wondering just what was going on, were they married, were they not married, and I remember... Being in the uh, radio room at the time during, it was either 2003 or 2004, the Billboard Music Awards, and we had a radio room where you've got all these different radio stations, PDs, and air personalities there to interview, you know, some of the nominees for our award show at the time, and R. Kelly was uh, producer of the year, and, um, or top producer, I know he was for R&B and hip-hop, and then I think 2003 for the awards overall. But anyway, um, when he was brought in, uh, the, the publicist at the time for the label said, you know, don't ask any, yeah, you can ask any questions you want, don't ask any questions about Aaliyah. Naturally, somebody jumped up, and, and uh, no, I shouldn't say jumped up, but naturally somebody asked that question, and then... You see, I was on the far side of the room, but everybody stops because R. Kelly just jumps up and just stalks out of the room. 
the first polarizing effects I saw of, of him, the man, what was going on behind the scenes was right after he was acquitted from uh, after the uh, tape, the infamous tape. And I'm backstage again in the press room, this time for the BET Awards. And, and the press there in the room was, it was very polarizing. There were a lot of, half of the room was saying they were never going to listen to R. Kelly again, buy his music, whatever, whatever, because they felt he was guilty and and it was a travesty. And then you had others that were still trying to separate the legacy of his music and his talent from, from that situation. So that, for me, was the earliest indications of you know, that there was more going on. Well, I also think it's really built. I think it's also bullshit, right? So, like, you're sitting here telling me, you know, let let this man enjoy his legacy. You know, um, you separate the art from the artist. And that's a very privileged statement to say because victims can't separate themselves from the pain. You know what I mean? Like, like, no. ha- like, how dare you? Like, and now I'm saying you, Gib. I'm like, how dare you sit here and say, no, you know, I know. You know, I just feel like it's not okay. Like, at, not everything in life is in the gray. Not everything. A lot of life is in the gray, but not everything is in the gray. And this is not gray. You see what I'm saying? This is not okay. R. Kelly married a 15-year-old girl. And I want to I say this as honestly and assertively as possible. Aaliyah's parents failed her, too. Aaliyah's parents failed her, too. And, and listen, you can own it when you want to own it, but at the end of the day, you did. Because there's no way in hell you should be letting your 15-year-old girl fraternize with a grown-ass man. Not like that. So you failed your daughter, too. At the end of the day, there are so many people... Didn't, 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 didn't as the, um, before the documentary was aired, didn't her parents come out and the yes, mother her, come out her, her and mother, say we her, were there every step of the way? Her mother did come out. And you know what? That's guilt. And that's guilt. And, and, it, and it is guilt. Mm-hmm. Aaliyah has been gone... F- Oh, my God. She's been gone almost as long as she was alive. You know what I'm saying? And people still love Aaliyah and they still love her music. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's wrong that people still love Aaliyah and still love her music. But accountability needs to be had on all sides. R. Kelly was enabled. R. Kelly absolutely was enabled. And there were people working for him that allowed him to be a predator. And Aaliyah's mother and Aaliyah's parents, they failed her. They absolutely failed her. There's no way in hell I'm letting my 15-year-old daughter hang out with a 31-year-old man. You going to the studio? You mean we going to the studio? Oh, R. Kelly wants me to do, You mean R. Kelly wants we to do what? When you turn 21 and then when you grown, we can talk about it then. But no, Aaliyah's parents failed her. I think one of the things that came up in the documentary was uh, the allure of celebrity. A lot of the victims we heard from, they knew this didn't seem right in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, but this is R. Kelly. This is one of the biggest artists in the world. And that helps you understand. He's a talented man. He's a rich man. He has a celebrity. I get it. I completely get it. I totally get it. As was mentioned earlier, it is a lot to take in. I I didn't watch the whole thing. I think I watched the first three hours with my daughter who uh, just turned 25. So we had a long chat because I've tried to, for as long as I've been in this industry, I've tried to teach her and my son, you know, that, to take a lot of this stuff with entertainment and celebrity out and everything at face value that there's, you know, that there's, um, that's just surfacey kind of stuff. So she and I had a long chat and I've asked her, you know, did I, did I help you recognize certain things? Would you have been aware? And, and as we said earlier, it is very, I think that's why I couldn't watch the whole thing. They did a great job in terms of getting, these women to uh, share their stories because I got to imagine that that was very hard and and very rough and um, it just you know heartbreaking as as also mentioned earlier you know you can't take that away um, the the pain the hurt God knows you know there's so many answers to be left from just from what I saw you know what happened to the the 14 year old girl that you know now a young woman you know how is she able to cope you know. The question that we brought up earlier about Aaliyah's parents and where were they in the mix? Some of the people on the show, on the documentary that were interviewed, and the one guy that came back out to Essence and said that the documentary misconstrued his his uh, association with um, R. Kelly, that he wasn't part of the inner circle. But you sat there on the documentary and said you saw this and this and this. So I, I just hope that it just it has opened the conversation back up. Certain things need to be done. And and we've been saying it, and hopefully this is the moment when it's all going to come together in jail, and we, we can't 
keep doing this to uh, our, our young women. Uh, one thing I think it's, that's sort of interesting about the scenario about all this is I don't want to divorce it from the timing. And, you know, you look at the arc mm-hmm. of what R. Kelly's career is, you know, I guess you can always leave room for a comeback. But most people are going to say that, you know, R. Kelly had his run of hits and, you know, that, you know, he's certainly not top of mind anymore. Um, but I know that as this story has come up and down for so many years from Aaliyah through through the tape that you mentioned, Gail, in particular, that trial and that tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and you actually said before one thing that, that Gail said um, around that time is, uh, yes, I'm going to quote Gail Mitchell to Gail Mitchell, <laughs> is uh, no matter what... <laughs> No matter what happens at the trial, uh, I think R. Kelly's going to be okay just because his writing and producing talent have remained consistent. I don't think he's missed any steps in terms of bottoming out. And as you mentioned, R. Kelly was such a huge force back then. Is it easier, do you think, to for us to have this conversation and sort of condemn R. Kelly because he is not popular and top of mind? Do you think this this would affect him in the same way? Because I'm thinking of, uh, in particular, that Spotify announcement when they were going to pull some artists from playlists, and the two artists that they really, that people really gravitated towards were XXX and Tassion and R. Kelly. And Spotify had to really uh-huh. reverse course because so many XXX fans could not believe that they were going to do that. They're singling him out. Nothing's been proven. This, you know, sounds like R. Kelly plus 15 years. Everybody, you know, everybody's looking. I think the conversations about money, what can be made, I, I you know, then you wonder, are, are the fans... Some people might make the argument that, that the fans of XXX were, are, are too desensitized. I think with, with everything, with social media and different things, things I never thought I would see, you know, you know, have become, you know, something you see that these kids are, uh, younger kids are exposed to all the time. So, and then with the whole tenor of the times with a certain administration and whatever, it just seems it's, it's, the door is open on a lot of stuff that we really have to reach our arms around and figure out. I think we go through cycles. I think um, you guys would agree we go through cycles where, you know, we're supposed to, you know, in terms of language, in terms of what was shown, we've gone through it with videos, what's too much to show on videos, what isn't, that's kind of gone out the door, what, what can be said lyrically. I have this argument with my son all the time. He talks to me about Marvin Gaye and songs like that and how, out front they were and how his generation because he's 23 isn't so and 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 i tried to tell him you know we have this argument about the nuances of uh marvin gay talking about let's get it on or whatever but he doesn't come out and graphically he didn't come out and graphically portray it i know it's a different time with videos and whatever but it was the nuance of the language where you paint the pictures the pictures weren't painted the way they are times in the language and whatever, and the objectification by some uh, in terms of females and whatever. And I just worry about the desensitizing. And I don't think, I think at the time with, with R. Kelly, it might have been, you know, he was a hit maker, he's making money, but it doesn't make any difference whether he is or isn't at this point. There's something wrong and it needs to be fixed. And and here we are having this conversation because people are tired and it's it's... it's it can't go on like this. The best-selling songs, at least in the past week, were I Believe I Can Fly and Ignition, at least were the top two. And I'm trying to, I, I've tried to wrap my head around what that, what that means, you know, because there's, it's not just, it's not just by chance that those two songs are particularly, you know, the top sellers and, and streamers. And I, I, I have tried, I don't know. I don't know what, okay, I don't so know if people want to clean themselves you know, no, 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 no. People, do, people do not want to clean themselves. Um, so here's the thing. You know you know how you have comfort foods? You go to those foods and they provide you a certain level of comfort. And oftentimes those comfort foods have a certain memory associated with it. So it's not even that you want that food. You want that memory and that moment back. For a lot of R. Kelly's songs... There is a certain level of comfort and there is a memory associated with it. So a lot of people do not have the emotional bandwidth to separate themselves from the memory that they created surrounding that song. So instead of this man molests, rapes, physically abuses and manipulates underage girls, so I'm going to disassociate everything that I have with him. 
I am going to call those underage girls liars. I'm going to say that they want a money grab. I'm going to say that they only want it for the attention. I'm going to say they only want it for the likes. Because not doing that means that my memory and my moment that I created out of comfort was a lie. That's what that means. So the remix to Ignition isn't going to be played at the 100-year anniversary on the March on Washington. Like, get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? No one cares about that. You know, like, I believe I can fly. It's a great song, but look what he, like, this man, You Are Not Alone, Michael Jackson's You Are Not Alone was about a 17-year-old girl that he got pregnant who had a miscarriage. If that does not cloud the way you hear that song, like, what are we doing? So you just said, Shaniqua, that's a great song. It but is a it great sounds, song. But it sounds like you personally wouldn't be listening to his I'm, music I'm not forward. listening. I'm not listening to it. Do you understand other people who, who do? Is it a personal decision? Is it up to each listener? It's not. When I say it's a, when I say it's a great song, I mean that it's, it was crafted around a great moment. Like, Space Jam is big for people. Like, I have a few, like, uh, writers that I work with. They're, like, younger. They just, like, Space Jam was my life. And you know what I mean? So I understand that that, that connection that they have to Space Jam. But for me, I'm just not, I'm not listening to, to, to Sylvester anymore. I'm not listening to Sylvester anymore. I'm okay. I'm good. This is how you make your bread and butter. And you've made your bread and butter off of the defilement of black girls. And it's just not something that I'm really interested in. Gail, same uh, thoughts for you, how you personally uh, are treating uh, R. Kelly's music uh, at this point. Um, like Shaniqua said, there, there are, well, there were moments, the whole party vibe in terms of stepping, you know, the, the dance that uh, a lot of black folks do and still do, and ours music was, was good for that, um, to, to be honest. And I used to like Ignition and, and some other songs. But to be honest, I haven't played an R. Kelly record. I've got, I think I've got a bunch of his CDs there at the house. But do I, do I sit there? And, and I never was one to really sit there and go, I'm going to sit and listen to a whole R. Kelly album. I just didn't. There were certain hits that I liked and whatever and the stuff that he produced for other people. So um, it's not the end of the world for me if I don't hear another R. Kelly song at this point. No. Um, I have two points I need to make. Uh, the first is when you don't become R. Kelly and not have antennas deep, deep within the music industry. You know what I'm saying? So you can stop listening to R. Kelly, but there are some songs by your other artists that he wrote when times got really rough around the, uh, the, the trial. He started doing a lot of writing and a lot of producing, and he made a lot of hits. Bump, bump, bump. R. Kelly wrote that. B2K's bump, bump, bump. R. Kelly wrote that. That's like some of like B2K fans. Like you can listen to that song and tell it's an R. Kelly song. It's an R. Kelly sure. song. He wrote right. that song. Yeah. I think he wrote um, "Fortunate." Is, is fortunate. Yeah. fortunate. Well, the, B, the B2K yeah. is interesting because you know with them going back on tour. Yeah, and I mean that's really the that, biggest. That's hit. one of I, one of their biggest hits. I wonder. And I think if, Omarion said that he's not going to be performing that after the tour. I don't know if he said he was going to yeah, perform it during. Got, and then he got reamed for that. Right. Right. So R. So. You, when you're, if you're going to take a stand against R. Kelly, you got to take a stand against all of his writing and production credits. And I need you to mm-hmm. understand that you're going to be separating yourself from a lot of music that you grew comfortable with. But I also want to be very clear about my next statement. There are a lot of people within the black community who are using race as a means of quieting the very real misogyny that occurs within the black community. So let me be very clear. Harvey Weinstein is trash. Woody Allen is trash. And there are a whole bunch of other high-profile white men who are trash. And unfortunately, the way racism set is set up, some of those white men have been able to get away with the sexual assault that they have been accused of. And then you have some black men who will say, well, what about Harvey Weinstein? And what about Woody Allen? And if they can do it, no, that's not what we're here for. We're not here to say if a white man rapes, then a black man should be able to rape. We're not here to say if a white man molests a little boy, then a black man should be able to molest a little boy. That's not what it is. That's not our bar of excellence. That's not our bar of creativity. That's not what we're doing here. 
If a white man rapes, that white man is shit. He's trash and he deserves to burn in hell. But do not use that as a as a means of saying, well, if this white man can do it and you sit here worried about this black man. No, if uh, if somebody like R. Kelly has been doing what he has been doing for decades and the first thing you can say is, well, this white man did this, then you are trying to invalidate the the victims, these black women who are victims. And it's not cool and it's not right. Don't. I really hate that some people try to use what white men can get away with because they want black men to get away with it at the same time. It's not okay. It's not okay. Like, Harvey Weinstein is trash. R. Kelly is trash, too. Woody Allen is trash. And whoever the next man is that might be getting it, he's trash, too. That's what I'm saying. So my my question is, and I think... um I think it's something that Shaniqua had sparked a little earlier when you're talking about, um, and, and Gary mentioned art versus artist a lot. And you personally, it sounds like both of you, you know, have really um, yeah, made, I'm not a, about that. made an no. active effort to. Okay, not okay, well, shit from, from shit. okay, well, you, oh, we made an active effort not to listen to him. But in that question, what what do you say to people who who either do you think people are deluding themselves into thinking, or is there a way that they can enjoy R. Kelly's music? And somehow not be supporting, you know, the man that that everyone's alleging that R. Kelly is. Is there any? I mean, is there anything that you think somebody could do? Is there to, any way you can have a cake and not eat the eggs that are made in it? I mean, I get. Well, I guess if it's a vegan cake. There's no eggs. But, I mean, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, you know, you, don't you need eggs to make a cake? So right? you, you think you think if you're going, you're all if, you, if you're, you're, all, just, you're all in and. Like I'm, some might say complicit. It's I just like that's how he makes his money. That's where his money comes from. Well, let's say let's say like 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 maybe like Gail, you own a CD. Like you know you own the CD. You already bought it ten years ago. You know you played well, it. No, I didn't buy it. But well, sorry. Well, you know, <laughs> sorry. Here, Hello. It, sorry. Yeah. Excuse me, okay. I'm Gail Mitchell. Well, and I- <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say let's say you bought the CD or you bought the iTunes download or something that you own and you can you know okay. it's offline. And, you know, R. Kelly is not streaming. He's not going to get anything new from it. Is that, you know, is is that can can you comfortably separate yourself from that? Shaniqua shaking oh, her no, head. That's, <laughs> in terms of going and supporting him at this juncture, as I said earlier, no. Um as Shaniqua and I talked about earlier, there are fans out there who, you know, to, to go to some of his concerts, I don't know if you ever did. I, I went, I think the most recent one I went to before every the cacophony started getting really, really bad, I think was probably three years ago. With all the noise and the hoorah, um, you know, with, with Aaliyah, because I think what, it was an anniversary of hers that, that came up and the conversation kept going and going, and I think more and more people were talking. But to see the, these women screaming at these shows, to see him, you know, is, um, imitating or, or, you know, sex acts, women would be up there rubbing on him and stuff. And, and it got to the point, I, to me, the shows just weren't good because he was doing a whole karaoke thing, and he wouldn't sing songs all the way through. It was just, you know, it just, you know, so I stopped going at that point. And um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I, you know, did I think he was talented. I think he was very talented. You know, of late, has his records done anything? Um, Album-wise, whatever, no. But that's the sad so part. I think whatever mojo he had, even the song with Lady Gaga, I don't think many, many people were, you know, that enamored of that song. It just, it didn't help either one of them at that point so um to me so i think he lost logo creatively a while a long time ago so and maybe that's karma because i'm one that believes in karma you know can you still play do you still want to play one of his records at your party and get the party going although the way they, the kids do parties now isn't the way people did parties back in my day so that's a whole other separate story but i don't know i don't know Shaniqua. i don't know um, I don't. I'm not. I'm not interested in separating the art from the artist in any way, shape, or form. So that's how I feel about uh, R. Kelly. And I also think that 
um, a, like everybody loses in this situation. The victims have lost tremendously. The fans who were really fans of this guy who now just like, I can't I can't support this. And then you have somebody mm-hmm. and then you have Robert Sylvester Kelly, who who could have maybe I don't know. I And, and to all um, to everyone who might be listening, who was a victim of molestation or sexual assault. I, I just want to make sure that you know that I am not condoning anything. But, you know, R. Kelly admitted that he himself was molested between the ages of seven and 13. And that's a significant time. That's a, that's six years to be molested, and that just that you know that begs the question of therapy within the black community and being able to speak about it and be and being able to go and be like, listen, this is what happened to me, and I want to rid myself and cleanse myself of this. Had R. Kelly gotten the help that he needed, are you serious? We would be able to enjoy his music. But he didn't, for whatever reason. One thing I'm, I'm thinking of, too, is uh, in terms of uh, entertainment. Uh, we've seen this a lot in sports the last couple of years. Uh, closer for the Houston Astros, Roberto Asuna was uh, acquired by Houston for uh, the playoff run. And uh, some serious allegations of abuse against him. We've seen NFL, uh, different, different athletes. And that same element comes up, uh, sort of similar to... Uh, can you enjoy an artist's music? Can you root for your favorite team if a person on there uh, has these allegations? It's just more of that that, that ambivalence of, of how we, as consumers of uh, entertainment, sports, uh, it's, uh, it's not as easy. Uh, you can't just uh, necessarily separate it. But I think of nothing else, it's good that we're having these discussions going forward. But if you – and I know nothing about sports, so if we're going to venture that way, just yeah. let me know so I can leave because I will offer nothing <laughs> to the conversation. But if you um, – like, I want to say back in like the 50s and the 60s, if there was a domestic abuse situation and police were called, oftentimes police would look the other way because it was the it was the thought process. Like, oh, you know, that's just that's just family shit. You know, like that's just, you know, that's just the wife and the husband that has nothing to do with us. You know what I'm saying? And it's only as of late that when a woman calls and says that she might be being abused, police officers are taking it seriously. Police officers didn't traditionally take physical abuse from husbands towards women seriously. It would it would take short of death for a woman to be able to file charges against her husband. So that has seeped its way into other areas of entertainment and sports and even in life. And even in life. So that so so people not people trying to hit you with this you know separate the 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 sports from the athlete or the or the art from the artist that that has that has long been a part of this culture. At the, at the end of the day, this society doesn't respect women. You don't respect me. You want me to titillate you. You want me to get your dick hard. You want me to sit on it. You do not want me to have an opinion. You do not want me to tell you you're ashy. You do not want me to. You you don't. You don't care about me. You don't. Not, now, is this all men? Of course not. Do you feel that it's changing at all with all the dialogue in the last year or two? I feel like men are scared. That's what I feel like because not because I feel like men are scared not because they want to respect us, but because they don't want to go to jail or because they don't know they don't want that allegation. It's not a matter of, you know, what, maybe I should actually like listen to them. It's a matter of like, you know what? I don't want none of this smoke. So I'm going to do this. But it's not like I really respect you to begin with. That's what I feel. No. No, I've talked to female executives in the Women industry. executives? Um, uh, yeah, and they say, like you said, Shaniqua, guys are scared. Some of them don't know how to react. They they say that friends of theirs have asked them, you know, let me know if I'm doing this or whatever. They are scared. But I think, as you said earlier, too, it's uh, Gary uh, it's oh, and Trevor, it's opening a dialogue. On, on the Today Show this morning, they were talking about the new Gillette ad. Yeah, I haven't their, seen the old I've... ad campaign. Is this the best a man can get? And then Procter and Gamble, P and G, I guess, has their you know boys will be boys, where, where they're saying you know that that that, that whole um, belief has to change. And in term and all this in in um, with the goal of improving the relationship and understanding on on the male side about what how they have been objectifying and, and disrespecting women. And how it's become ingrained in in, uh, 
in our fabric and trying to fix that. So, and I'm trying to fix that every day with my 23-year-old son. And I, I, I get the sense from the group of guys that he hangs with that, you know, as they said in, in the Gillette commercial, you know, these, these young boys that they're aiming this to are going to be the men of tomorrow. But and I, that's what that's how we have to what we have to look at, you know, moving forward. I don't know how much time we have left, so just let me know whenever we have to go. But I also think that we need to take a a, a closer look at how we raise boys and how mm-hmm. in the last 20, 30 years we have not opened up the window and put some fresh air in this new definition of manhood, especially within the black community. It's so stifling and it's so difficult and it's just like it's 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 not it's it's concrete it's concrete that's what it is and nothing and despite what tupac said roses don't grow from concrete y'all despite that's what tupac was wrong roses do not grow from concrete we need to give boys an opportunity and a space to frolic along the spectrum of life's emotions i i don't know what it's like to raise a white man i don't have white men in my family but the black men that i know you either are you either show that you're angry or that you're funny. That is it. And it's okay to like to experience these conflicting emotions. I was talking to my older brother Victor and he says, "Yo, now that I'm like 40, like I cry all the time." And I was just like, "Why?" He's like, "I don't know, man. I just be feeling it. <laughs> and I just be getting emotional." And I'm just like, "Good for you." And he was like, "Yeah, man. I'm with it." Like I'm and he, he it's it's a certain level of um freedom that you you're able to just like get that off of you and i and it's so detrimental how we raise these young boys we tell them to man up and we and we we don't even give them an opportunity to express why they feel the way they feel like there are grown ass men that don't have the words for their feelings and that's a problem that's really a problem yeah and that's how i tried to being a single parent divorce you know and basically his dad wasn't in his life either of my kids uh, but my son and i was always very cognizant in and um in terms of yeah as you said Shaniqua, being able to show emotion being able to cry it's okay you're no less a lesser of a man for crying or feeling a certain emotion or wanting to express yourself so um, and so I, I made it a point to, you know, men that I thought that I knew in my family and friends, associates I came up with that I thought were strong role models. I was always very cognizant of, of uh, you know, tapping them. It does take a village, especially in this day and age, to to raise a, a, a child. So um, and so I use that a lot. I, I think it was Christmas time. I'm, I'm living in a condo, so I'm right next door to another building and I heard this father and I could tell that they were black and um, <laughs> he I don't know what the little kid did the little boy did and he was just walloping the, the hell out of this kid and he's crying and hiccuping and then the first thing the father says is you know shut up you know you're you're being this way shut up and the kid poor kid he sounded like he's three or four and he goes yeah I, I stop that crying you're not supposed to be crying you're a man and he goes I, I can't stop crying you know I'm trying it's hard you know and I just thought wow you know first off he's three we, we, <laughs> yeah the yeah, boy's three exactly. relax we gotta do better here he's yeah. three he and ain't he th- he's not 13 I'd be crying too right he's not 13 so, he's not yeah. 23 he's three well, there's, there's no easy way to put any kind of a, there's no need to put any kind of a, a, a sunshine wrap up on, on this discussion. But I think I think it's just important to talk about all this. And and yeah, I'll go back to that's a good thing that we're doing is we're at least talking about this. That's that's got to be hopeful on some level going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I hate the circumstances that had to lead to all of this, but if you can't change the past, then certainly change the future. Okay, thank you. <laughs> cool. That'll that'll be that'll All be the right. ending. Um, okay, yeah, thank you both uh, for taking the time out to do this. Um, I know, particularly, it's definitely after hours here in New York for Shaniqua. So yeah, I'm out. Yeah, thank you. For you that. out. All right, Gail. <laughs> thank you so much voice. as well for taking All the time. Right. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you guys. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. I apologize for the curse. All right. Bye. <laughs> 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.